What's up, everybody? This is G. Marie, and this is Hip Hopology, a think tank for hip hop heads to collaborate and dialogue over the evolution, elevation, and isolation faced within the hip hop community from a hood scholarly perspective. So sit back, relax, as we kick it with some of the most dopest MCs, DJs, visual artists, B boys, and B girls, and many more. This is Hip Hop. What is up, everybody? This is G Marie coming to you live in full effect with Hip Hopology, the podcast. This is episode number two. Uh, First and foremost, I would like to thank all of the listeners for tuning in. Uh, This has been a really, really good run, even for the second episode. I've gotten a lot of great feedback. So, again, thank you all so much. Um, Today's episode, Untitled. We're just going to call it untitled. Uh, I have a guest today, and I'll, I will always have some guests on the show um, for some healthy discussion. But before I bring my second guest on the show, um, he is, a, 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 I, I mean, I don't even know what to really say about him because I feel like he's in a category of his own. I've listened to his um, mixtape. He sent me a couple of his stuff and I just, I listened to it over and over again. Couldn't even believe it because he's such an amazing artist. And um, he's also an, an artist from Detroit, not a Detroit artist. I always have to say that it's a big damn difference. But I can't really even give this man an introduction because of how amazing he is. Um, but I'll let him tell you all about himself so without further ado i would like to introduce mr train freeman what's up what's up what is up what's going on said my name is train freeman uh consider myself a creative an artist uh hip-hop enthusiast uh i love sneakers i love music i love the culture yay well i'm very happy to have you on the show i know um you were the first person i told about the Hipology podcast. It was something I've been sitting on for a while, and I mm-hmm. finally decided to launch the show. So, welcome, welcome, welcome. So, yeah, uh, let's get Pleasure to. Be here. Oh, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate it. So, let's definitely get into the meat and potatoes. Okay. All right. So, I always tell people uh, the definition of hipopology, and um, we we kind of say at the beginning of the show. So, of course, you'll you'll hear at the beginning of the show. But I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. So, uh, you gave us your introduction. So, who who is Train Freeman? Like, who? How did you come up with your uh, your name? Uh, it's a few different stories all in one. Really, uh, the name Train initially came uh, when I was playing football uh, in high school. Uh, I played running back and. Uh, my style of running was to like, I didn't really juke too much. I would just run over people. So they would always call me like, hey, you running out here like a locomotive, like a train. Name kind of stuck. Uh, outside of that, as I got older, initially my name was just train. It was an acronym, which stand, it stood for Teaching, Reaching, and Instructing Nations. A lot of people don't know that. But um, so I kept with the train. And then as I began to grow, started to seek knowledge for myself, coming to my own person, uh, I looked at myself as a free man. So uh, that's where really the name came from. Trained free man. Okay. Trained free man. Well, thank you for breaking down uh, the meaning behind your name. Even I didn't know that's what <laughs> your name is. So thank you for um, for doing that for us. So what are the five elements of hip hop? Well, technically it's really four and that's like 
graffiti, um, b-boy, DJ, the MC, and then I say the fifth element. Uh, it's not really like a title. I just say it's really the soul. Oh wow! You know, okay. Putting that soul into you know into the culture. Okay. You Everybody know? um has a different. They have different elements. I'm noticing this, or like that that fifth element is always different. Mm-hmm. Um, so my homeboy, uh, the essence, he said beatboxing was one of them, and he said so. And I always, I always thought it was knowledge, but um, you know, they always interchange yeah. the quote unquote five elements. But yeah, but the the four core elements, yeah. you, of course, you got them right: DJ, MC, graffiti, uh, B boy, yeah. or B girl. So right. it gotta be politically correct. Yes, yeah. you have to be, yeah, because you know, I'm a dancer, so I, I have to say that too. You already know. Um, so when did you fall in love with hip hop? Uh, I get asked this question a lot, and I try to trace it back, and I come across two different time periods. Uh, well, kind of around the same time period. Uh, one of them I think of is I remember I was a young 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 boy and I want to say it was like when I heard crisscross jump but it was like I think that was like when I was just like yo like rap is like really really it and it was like I thought they were just the coolest thing ever again I was like super young uh, but the next one where I think it like really sticks in like I, it really sticks out uh, I vividly remember this it was a Saturday afternoon uh, had to have been 94 I remember cleaning my room into like the afternoon early morning and I remember hearing on my little cassette uh, radio I remember hearing Biggie Juicy and that was around the time when my mom was teaching me about like sampling and I remember you know hearing Juicy Fruit and then hearing this and I remember the lines that stuck out was blow up like the world trade sardines for dinner and Super Nintendo Sega Genesis okay. when I was there. And I just remember like, like, yo, this is like really, really amazing. And I remember just that song was just super duper dope to me. And it just, it captivated me. Okay. Well, I um, definitely can't identify with the Nintendo 64 because I definitely played that growing up. And I remember my dad eating sardines for dinner with mustard <laughs> and crackers. So, hey, that yes. was my grandma. Yeah, uh, it, I, I don't know how they do that stuff, but I mean, 64 hey. was lit too. I, I, yeah. I still, I still, uh, y'all, y'all still don't want to smoke on the go tonight. But, uh-uh. you know, that's a whole nother story. See, all right, I gotta buy my uh, Nintendo 64 now. Let me, let me get that real quick. I'm gonna have yeah. to. Had a little gaming competition at the crib. All oh, right, man, so y'all don't want that smoke. Okay, well, I'm gonna keep that in mind. I remember okay. that. So, so how would you uh, describe your sound as an artist? Uh, to describe my sound, really, when I was working on my last project, uh, I kind of came up with a subgenre for myself. Uh, well, first off, my music is very soulful. Uh, it's very nostalgic where it can be enjoyed now but it has a feel of something that you've heard before uh some of it is the familiarity in terms of the samples or the way i put the music together like it doesn't sound dated but it has a sense of familiarity to it and it's like in terms of my projects uh when i talk about the sub genre i kind of labeled it cinematic soul where it almost has like a movie feel to it where it almost feels like you're listening to a movie or if what you see in your head is if we were to put it on a screen in front of you it would almost match it feels like it's an experience more than just 
putting on headphones and listening to a beat. It's more cinematic, like in terms of the sounds and the mix and, you know, even the dialogue on the songs and things like that. Okay, yeah, because I feel like that's really important, um, especially if, you know, you're listening to like an album. You want to be able to listen to the album all the way through. Um, on the first episode, me and the Essence, we talked about Good Kid, Mad City and how um, there was literally, it was a short film mm-hmm. by Kendrick Lamar. And I just remember listening to the, the album, not like on my iPad, but I listened to the album on Christmas Eve at a friend's house mm-hmm. and just playing it straight through. And I'm like, you know, that's how music should always be. Uh, it should always, you know, tell a story or something. Yeah. So that's really cool. Um, wow. Okay. So you got yeah. your your own category. Yeah. I mean, but to piggyback off what you were saying, well, good kid. That's another one that sticks out. Um, this was in the era right before streaming. Uh, I remember Good Kid leaked a week early, and a large portion of Kendrick's now foundational following fell in love with Kendrick after Section Eighty. But listening to Good Kid, Mad City, because I remember. When it leaked, it literally was a wave through the streets. And everybody's like, oh, my God, this Kendrick album. Oh, my God. Like, and everybody, people who thought hip-hop was dead were like, we're going to get a link to this Kendrick album to come yeah. out next week. Because it was just amazing. I remember listening to it and just being blown away. Like, the small intricacies in terms of how it's put together, how you can hear the video reel. To me, one of the dopest things about it is when uh, the album cover came out. I thought the one with uh, he and his family, the family photo, I thought it was super dope. And I saw the one with the minivan, I thought it was extra corny. I was like, why is it a purple van on the cover? When I listened to the album and I saw why the minivan was on there, I fell in love with the purple minivan cover. Because it was just, again, that's one of those projects that you don't get every year. And I vividly remember listening to it where I was going through it I think two or three times in that night and yeah but that's a whole other story yeah I remember um being introduced to Kendra Lamar by matter of fact my friend he um he tweeted Kush and Corinthians and and I sent him the eye emojis like oh my god you, oh yeah you smoking it. yeah but see but I didn't know that that was a Kendra Lamar song so uh-huh. that was the first Kendra Lamar song I ever heard and and then when I heard all of Section um, 80, Section I just I fell in love with Kendrick. Uh, and then not to mention, he, he's a Gemini. So, you know, I'm, I'm a Gemini. And Geminis are very creative. Uh, so are Cancers. You know, I, I know you're a Cancer. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so, Geminis, y'all definitely have a... Uh... Y'all definitely have a good list in terms of cancers. Like y'all got Tupac, we got Missy Elliott, so it, it yeah, works. Yeah, it, it works out. It works out. Yeah, we we got a, a list. We got a nice list too, as well. Yeah, uh, we got a real nice list. When it come to if you want to mess with a cancer, Fifty Cent is a cancer. So I just you know in terms of the levels of pettiness, yeah, he need. I, I ain't know. gonna go that far, but yeah. yeah, yeah, he definitely needs some help. But um, but yeah, as far as like creativity and stuff. Um, so Cushion Corinthians and then ADHD and then eventually ADHD, I mean, ADHD was added to his Good Kid Mad City album, but I remember hearing it on Section 80 too. Mm-hmm. Um, but how he put that entire album together, uh, again, like that family photo, that the uh, Polaroid family photo, mm-hmm. it took me back to like 93 when I was a kid and, you know, yeah. me and my parents, they will always take pictures of me and my family. And, yeah. um, so that, you know, really meant a lot to me that he really took the time out to cultivate, uh, such an amazing album that you can just play straight through. And, you know, two points with Good Kid, Mad City, I think that make it great is, yes, it came out in 2012, mm-hmm. October 22nd, 2012 to be exact. 
Uh, but it's like some people say it's the Illmatic of this generation. But if you were born in like the 80s slash early 90s, really more so like an 80s baby, that album is special to you because he was telling the story of what it was like when we were teenagers. Mm-hmm. When he said stuff like the next tales, uh, we had his next tale chirping. He was he was listening to Sierra, watching reruns of Martin. That's our generation. Yep. It's our story being told to this generation. Kind of like Nas was telling about growing up in Queensbridge in the '80s and early '90s, but Illmatic was for the kids who you know who were growing up at that time. Mm-hmm. So another thing. Uh, Y'all, if you're hearing this, you'll probably go on the internet. What if I told you that there was actually a short film for Good Kid, Mad City? It got pulled, but if you search the internet, you might still be able to find it. But it's an actual short film called okay. Mad. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I. Okay. I've seen I it. I thought I was tripping. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it at that. No, it was actually a short film. Well, thank you for um putting that out there for us, because now I'm definitely about to go and research. This album, well, not album, but a short film yeah. on YouTube probably tomorrow. But um, speaking of, you know, music, like what? So who are your your musical inspiration? Um, past, present, past. Um, I'm still a huge, huge Michael Jackson fan. I know everybody talks about that being cliche, but no, like Michael Jackson was, is, and will forever be my hero. Oh yeah. June 25th, 2009, my world shattered. <laughs> like, I can't believe it's been 10 years, but yes. Michael, uh, Prince, for the musicality, um, Jay-Z, Nas. Like, pretty much if you're in my top five, you inspired me. But if we're talking about artists, like, directly, that if you consider myself a lineage, like, I'm from that lineage, uh, definitely some Jay and Nas. Um, I have to throw Kanye in there because Kanye is one of those artists where it's like a lot of stuff wasn't cool before him, but he made it appealing. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is that like in the midst of like gun toters and drug dealers, he made it cool for, you know, you to come from some form of education, you know, and, uh, you know, be a little bit more intelligent. And I should say on a mainstream level, cause he wasn't the first intelligent rapper, but in terms of the level in which he was doing it, it wasn't many that came before him like that. So I gotta say Kanye, um, say a Michael Prince. Uh, I thought we're winner because he's one of my favorite artists. Uh, I'm a huge New Edition fan, but definitely Bobby Brown because uh, that Don't Be Cruel album, just the way he approached his career yeah. and his records. Uh, Stevie Wonder. Oh yeah. Um, I, I can go on for days, and it's not cliche. It's just literally I can. Pick, I can go through these people and tell you exactly what I pull forth from them and what I feel I am a, you know, I'm in that lineage. Right. Okay. So. Well, I, um, you said something about, about Kanye. So what are your, your views on Kanye right now? Like, how do you feel about him? Uh, I've kind of unplugged from Kanye for the simple fact, like in my heart of hearts, I want him to be okay, but I feel like the Kanye that I fell in love with is not the Kanye now for the simple fact that um, some people are like, okay, you can separate the music from the artist. With some artists, you can do that, but when you come out the gate saying things like racism still alive, they just be concealing it, or George Bush don't care about black people, you don't have the ability to do that. It's almost like if you're a pastor, and yes, you're human, but if you're a pastor, and we see you out at the strip club every weekend. You can't do that because the calling on your life is just a little bit 
different. different yeah. So you can't represent the average saint and sinner on the front line and stuff. I'm not saying sin in private, but you know, it's it's just it confuses things. So with this one, I feel like he with Kanye, I feel like he um he started realizing that people were buying into him, and I feel like I'm not gonna sit up here and say he didn't care, but I think with Jesus, he was selling you know, uh, his brand and pretty much selling Kanye instead of selling the music. And he knew at that point he could do whatever and people were going to say he was a genius. So, um, post my beautiful dark twisted, I haven't been too high on Kanye, especially his political views. He's had a few flashes of greatness since then. But one of the things about him is you can't take away what he's done. He still has arguably one of the best catalogs in hip hop. Mm-hmm. Has one of the greatest runs. Still one of the most influential artists out here. Uh, I'm just more inspired by the artists that he inspired more than him right now. Mm. I'm going for days about Kanye. I have a whole bunch of theories about Kanye. Yeah, I mean, and I I agree. I'm I'm very indifferent about Kanye right now. Like almost to the point where I'm like I'm shedding thug tears for him because I really do miss the old Kanye and I wish you know he wasn't so lost in the sauce I guess like whatever he's Mm -hmm. going through right now um I feel like he really had a calling he could have you know led the hip-hop community uh and he he's so talented I mean he he's a Gemini also (laughs) so you know I heard he about to open I read today he's been opening the church I don't know how to feel about that like yeah he's been doing um services like sunday church services i feel in some Cali type of way about that like I'm, I'm i'm more of the you know as a christian i'm always you know i'm the one that's for the unorthodox ways and you know really you know using different methods to reach those all of that but i feel like with him it's a thin line between what he's doing and you know those unorthodox methods and it's just like i don't know i, I think that there's some ulterior motive there i can't yeah, all I the way prove it that, well yeah. no i can because when i start seeing him selling quote-unquote church clothes for like 200 dollars, and from my understanding he left nike because he wanted to have more control but he wanted his stuff to be more accessible or affordable i think he said affordable he might have just said accessible but uh wearing clothes that look like we just survived the nuclear holocaust. <laughs> a nuclear holocaust yeah. for like 200 i'm not really feeling that but yeah yeah, yeah um yeah <laughs> i i definitely agree i feel like that's a debate that can go on for hours and hours mm-hmm. um just simply because you know there was this era where you know kanye's music just it, it reached people in a different way um especially when i was in college i remember that album graduation when it came out and that was in like 07 or something and i mean just just everything just how he lays out his music his production and yeah. i mean even uh welcome to the good life like he featured his own art in his um his video and i mean it, it, he he's such a dope artist but like right now like you said as a person i mean it's just is yeah. that's a whole yeah. i couldn't agree more i bought graduation at midnight y'all see some of y'all don't remember that like going and i remember that yeah going wire at midnight or thinking should I? I want to hear the album so bad, so I could buy it at midnight and Meyer. But Meyer like to tax niggas. Is like, can I cuss on here? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Meyer like tax niggas like extra four or five dollars, but I can wait until go to Best Buy in the morning and get it for nine ninety nine. Yeah. 
Or if you was like me, you would research between Best Buy, Target, and Meyer, which one had the best bonus, uh, the bonus disc with the extra. Yes. See, y'all, y'all don't know about <laughs> that. Yeah, that, that was that's a different nope. time of era when yeah. music I feel like was still really really appreciated, and um, I feel like right now we take music for granted, like. I, I remember buying Drake's Take Care album at midnight on Black Friday just because, you know, when I'm when I'm a fan of somebody's, especially mm-hmm. a hip-hop artist, like I remember when Drake started out on MySpace and he was doing like the Neo Soul sound. He had like mm-hmm. Deceiving and some other stuff and then he went to October's Finest. And I feel like um, because he was, he came off just a sensitive individual so i think of course you know women we identify more with him because he was more vulnerable in his music Mm -hmm. and then he kind of switched over a little bit with take care like i just remember thank me later um which is it was kind of like okay hey guys you know i'm introducing myself this is drake this is who i am was so far gone that was the one that changed everything i like um i posted a clip earlier this year with the 10 year anniversary i found a clip when J. Cole was being interviewed by Elliot Wilson and he was saying when he was going to drop the warm-up, originally the warm-up was going to be all freestyles and he was saying the minute Drake dropped so far gone, the game changed. Everybody had to start coming with their best hand. That was the minute that the up-and-coming artists had to start approaching mixtapes like albums. Them seven songs you was holding for your deal, you had to throw them on your mixtape mm-hmm. and you had to really approach your mixtapes with the rollout. So he played his best hand, was so far gone. Thank Me Later was, to me, it was... I'm gonna do enough to just stay on the label. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do enough to live up to the hype. Make sure I get the right features. You know, please the people because it had hits on there. I'm gonna take over summer of that's 2010. Mm-hmm. But take care. I'm gonna really get in my bag. Yeah, yeah. Take care. That's, I feel like that's that my was... favorite. That's my favorite Drake album for a few different reasons. I I agree. <laughs> I definitely I, agree. I, I had I got take care when it leaked and because I, I was the type of person when I really rock with you. I get the leak. It's certain artists. You had to be really special for me to ignore the leaks. I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kanye graduation, I ignored the leaks <laughs> and bought the album. But yeah, Take Care, I remember listening to it. And then I bought bought it when it came out. But yeah. Yeah, Drake. Um, yeah, Take Care. I, that's probably my favorite Drake album too. Yeah. Um, the album with his dad on the cover. I, I don't know what the fuck was going on with him at uh, that time. More Life. Well, that was, that's supposed to be quote unquote a playlist. That's you. You're that trying was, to you're trying yeah. to transition from the mixtape era to playlist and kind of where we are now. Um, he doing he that was him like really experimenting with sounds, and that was the second project in his Apple deal. The Apple deal was him trying to please everybody, and it was an Apple exclusive for a minute. So that was him trying to fuse his Caribbean sounds, still rap. Again, he was trying to please everybody. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Sometimes I'd be real conflicted, though, because I don't know if, you know, Drake's in his feelings, if he wants to be, you know, Caribbean, if he wants to be from Houston. Like, I feel like Drake has a lot of personalities, you know, a lot of different alter egos. And mm-hmm. for me, I mean, you know, as a musician, you have to keep evolving with your music, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, I just feel like Take Care was just more authentic. It was his sound. Like, this is Drake's sound. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, well, cool. Well, um... What's what's your favorite rap album? All time. All time. Oh man, I knew y'all was going to go here. You just mind if I gotta pick one? I mean, you can pick two. <laughs> oh, that's still hard. <laughs> Reasonable doubt, definitely one. Okay. I don't know what it is about Reasonable Doubt. I can't, I can't shake it. Okay. That's that's my one. Um, strictly rap. 
I should have thought about this. This is hard. Okay. It's really hard. All right. You got to think of who you. <laughs> well, okay. So um, let... it, it really depends on the day that that other slide. Okay. It, it really, but I definitely can say reasonable doubt. Um, obviously, I still feel like Illmatic is the greatest rap album. Mm. It's a whole okay. other conversation. Okay. And when I say greatest, I mean it means there's some that were there are a lot that were quote unquote better. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason why I call it the greatest. That's we can get into that. You know, uh, so so let, let let's let's talk about that, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about you know reasonable doubt. Um, we'll do a. A rap album comparison. So, so okay. Everybody always says Illmatic is the classic Nas album, mm-hmm. and I argue with people and I say it was written was the classic Nas album. So I, I need to understand why, if you had to choose between Illmatic or it was written, like why why do people go with Illmatic? Um, because it kind of goes back to what I was talking about before. Um, again, I was super young when it came out. But looking at rap, looking back at certain things, we viewed rap and skill different before Illmatic. Okay. After Illmatic, we the bar was raised. Mm. How you spit, how you put songs together, it was just a little bit different. Mm. Like Illmatic, it hit different. Okay. And I feel like that's the foundation. It was the first five mic album. Um you have to have Illmatic before you have It Was Written. People don't remember this. When It Was Written came out, people were saying that Nas had went pop. You yeah. know, and he had started working with the Trackmasters, got the big names. It's cool, but there are a few, not many, but there are a few skips on uh, It Was Written. It doesn't mean it's not a classic album. Like I still feel like it's classic. I gave you power. I put that against anything. Mm. Um, watch them niggas. Obviously, you know, Street Dreams, Fire with the World. Um, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's on. Oh, no, I gotta look it up. Yeah, you gotta look it up. Um, uh, see, I made the mistake of listening to It Was Written Before Illmatic. Like, Illmatic is always gonna be a classic. I did too, and I think it was because it was when it came out. Um, I don't, the message. That's, I don't know. I, the message was. I, my first time hearing the message, if you go back and watch the If I Rule the World videos and the intro on there, and it made me want to listen to the whole song. That was around the time my mother was heavily patrolling my music, so I had to clean versus everything. But oh. the gift was I had siblings that were way older than me. Of course. So I heard everything. Of course. And I'll, I'll, I'll go more into that when we talk about Jay, you know. But yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, it was written in Illmatic. Um, I just remember the storytelling and just the way Illmatic just had that feeling. This is I'll, this is my single reason I put Illmatic over. I still, to this day, I shamely have to admit, I've been to New York State, but I've never been to New York City. Listening to Illmatic makes me feel like I am walking through the Queensbridge projects mm-hmm. in 93, 94. Mm-hmm. I feel like I know what it's like to grow up in Queensbridge. I feel like I know Ill Will. You know, I feel like, you know, I knew Jerome's niece who got shot in a dome piece on her way home from Jones Beach. Like, I feel like I know these people. I was mad when my man's lady ain't write him, you know, mm-hmm. on one look. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I felt like 
I was a part. I was I was sucked into that world. Okay. You know. Um. But yeah, and also gotta throw this in there. My unpopular opinion. People kill me for it. I'm one of the small people that think it it was uh, that I am was better than it was written. But that's a whole other conversation. Okay. I am might be my favorite nine album. Oh okay. I'm a <laughs> I'm a dot 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 on that one because I I skipped over a couple of songs on I am. But okay, we we gonna hold that for um another another day mm-hmm. so we can really dig or dive into that. But um so we talked about your favorite rap album. So so now. We really got to get into the meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. Reasonable Doubt or American Gangster? Oh, man. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. I'm going to say Reasonable Doubt was more polished because it was the live instrumentation. Reasonable Doubt, the best way to put it is if, Amer- if Reasonable Doubt and the Blueprint had a baby, it was American Gangster. Where okay. reasonable doubt is the the depth and the wordplay of reasonable doubt plus the production or as uh, the producer Bink calls it who did the rulers back and Mama loves me he calls it that regal production he calls it, like the foundation for like Ross's like Maybach music so if you take that style of production your soul and you marry it with those lyrics you get. American Gangster. But the reason why I'm going to put Reasonable Doubt over American Gangster is for the simple reason that American Gangster kind of had a cheat code. Like, if you know how American Gangster was made, like, they kind of showed him an early version of the film. He's watching it. He's tapping into these raw emotions about his life, seeing himself in Frank's story, all of that. So the, the story was already there. Reasonable Doubt is his life like reasonable doubt i think was recorded initially between the years of 94 and 96 but when you listen to it and then you go back vh1 i have it on uh dvd vh1 has this thing called classic album they did a classic album Mm. on reasonable doubt and it's him breaking down the different stuff on there that he's going on and it's just like his word it's probably still his wordiest album you know like the stuff that he says on there i just walk around quoting reasonable doubt lyrics all all the time mm-hmm. like i walk around saying like this is a minor setback like just because <laughs> of that you know or so be it the unified steady flow you already know you like i'm heavy roll heavy dough mike machete your flow your paper falls slow like confetti like i just feel like it's a better album from the wealth of knowledge uh it's jazzier it has a certain feel although we didn't really appreciate it uh until the early 2000s it's still one of the best albums and kind of tying in what I said earlier about my older sibling, my oldest sister, shout out to her. My sister Kiwana was one of the people that I, to this day, will call one of the few day one Jay-Z fans. My sister had Dead Presidents with the B-side Ain't No Nigga single. Oh, wow. And had the bootleg Reasonable Doubt. This is back in 96. Yeah, my sister had that one too. She, had, reason, she yeah. had Reasonable Doubt before they went back and added Can I Live Too and the bonus track. Oh, wow. She had the original one. So, having that around and then seeing the Ain't No Nigga video from the Nutty Professor soundtrack. And then I remember when Volume 1 came. I remember seeing Volume 1 at Harmony House and Who You With on the Sprung soundtrack. I was also one of the people that liked um, 
uh, Sunshine. A lot of, he can't stand Sunshine, but I like it. I like that song. You know, but what I'm saying is the a lot of Jay Z's Jay Z superstardom didn't really kick off till Volume Two. Okay. And the masses didn't really appreciate Reasonable Doubt, I think, until the Blueprint, because Jay started saying, you know, Reasonable Doubt Classic should have went triple. And when he started his superstar status, and he was looking like he was going to retire, we went back and we discovered Brooklyn's Finest, Regrets, Forty Four. I'm sorry, Twenty Two Twos. Just we, you know, all of the joints on there, like Bring It On. Reasonable Doubt has songs for days. Politics as usual, BS. I still feel like that's Jay's best album. It's probably my favorite Jay album. I love... I have a lot of favorite Jay albums. I'm one of the people that believe he has five or six classic albums, but it's something about Reasonable Doubt. I can put it on at any time. And, yeah. Well, do you agree or disagree that Kingdom Come wasn't the best Jay-Z album? Kingdom Come, to me, was... I can give you the best analogy. Kingdom Come was, if you watch basketball, when Michael Jordan came back, he was wearing the 45. Michael Jordan wearing the 45 was great, but when he was wearing the 45, it took a little bit of time to adjust. Mm-hmm. So he came back, he was wearing the 45, he came back mid-season. Um, he dropped 55 in the garden. So like his 55 in the garden would be the song Kingdom Come and some highlights he had on there, let people know he still got it. The thing about Jordan in that era, I believe that's the year they lost to the Orlando Magic in the Eastern Conference Finals. He loses to the Magic. The next year, he picks up 23 again, and they go 72 and 10. That's the famous 96 Bulls. The Kingdom Come layout reminds me of him putting on the 45, and then a year later, he drops American Gangster. And that was yep, him putting back thank on the 23. You. <laughs> so. Jordan, with, Jordan so with the 45 was great. You know, like, there's a difference between Michael Jordan had the 45 on versus when he's playing on the Wizards. Like, some people try to say Jay-Z and his Wizards, he's not. Let's let's get one thing straight. Like, dog is pushing 50 and still, you know, giving you bars. You know, and I feel like he's getting better. But Kingdom Come was one of my least favorite albums. But I was listening to it the other day. I was listening to the prelude. Oh my God, Kingdom Come, show me what you got. Lost Ones, it was just different because we hadn't heard from him in a while. He was trying to do different things. It's a lot of gems on there. Uh, One of the things that you can take from there is if you go back and listen to, I can't think of the name of the song, the song with John Legend, he's rapping to Emery on there. Uh, Emery got a thing. Emery was locked up. So the fact that we hear him rapping to Emery and we fast forward 13 years later, Emory Jones is a big part of Rock Nation. Emory has his own brand. Emory is a big, you know, part of the whole Paper Planes movement. But everything he said in the song he was going to do for Emory, he actually really did. When Emory got out, he pulled up with the limo, gave, got him on the jet, all of that. Everything he said he was going to do. So it's little stuff like that. So yeah. it's a bad album on Jay-Z's when we're looking at Jay-Z albums, we rank Jay-Z against Jay-Z. The same way I'm a Nas fan, I'm going to fight you tooth and nail that Nostradamus was not the best Nas album, but it wasn't a bad album. And if you know anything about history, Nostradamus really wasn't supposed to exist. Nas was the... I Am was the first album that got like super duper bootlegged 
and the label had to salvage, so they decided to drop two albums, forced them to drop two albums in one year instead of the double album. So, yeah. Well, that was a lot of... Um, I know, I just kind of... No, it, it's good. <laughs> it's good material to take in because, I mean, this is stuff that, you know, a lot of people don't know about. And uh, the best thing about this show is, you know, this is a place where hip-hop is. We can sit here, we can collaborate, we can dialogue mm-hmm. about, you know hip-hop music uh especially with the evolution elevation isolation faced within the hip-hop community from a hood scholarly perspective so you know you pretty much you're educating people on stuff that you know people wouldn't necessarily know about uh jay-z or or even nas um if they either didn't grow up in that era or really you know sat and did the research so i mean again this is this is dope material so uh one last question. So, I mean, again, you are an amazing artist. I, I sat there and I listened to a lot of your music. And I know, you know, we've had uh, conversations outside of the podcast and stuff about, like, your music and just where you're heading. But um, how will you use your music as a platform to elevate the hip-hop community? Uh, just kind of going back to my name, Teaching, Reaching, and Instructing Nations. Like, I really use that as a personal standard for myself. Like, I want to make sure that I'm teaching. I want to make sure that, like, you know, I'm reaching, you know, my following and, you know, telling them uh, you don't necessarily have to do things the way that I want to or, you know, there's more to your specific situation or your circumstances. You know, challenge yourself to learn or see things from a perspective outside of yours. Because so many times we've been so programmed to think that our way is the only way. Mm. And when you start having conversations with people who do things different from you, that's where true opportunity comes from. So uh, I want to use my music to start dialogue. Okay. Um, obviously, there have been rappers who have done it before, but you know, from my corner of the world, like I want to make sure that we're doing that. And I'm just getting started with that. Cool. You know, my last project, I wanted people to know what was going on between a specific um, part of my life. And it's been so much, it's been a delay because I've been growing so much um, as a person and as an artist. And I didn't just want to just put anything out there. Uh, so what you're going to be hearing now is the growth, my personal uh, struggles, uh, my internal conflict. And, you know, me challenging the world, you know, and everybody's thinking. Cool. Well, this brings me to my last and final question. Is hip-hop dead? No. Honestly, it never was. Um, I I appreciate, you know, Nas opening the dialogue in 2006. Uh, Hip-hop has an identity crisis, had an identity crisis, and I think just like all forms of music, I think people who were in love with it at the time can't fathom that it's not what it was 20 years ago. And a lot of times, I even have to challenge people who are in my age group. It's like, the world is not the same as it was 20 years ago. You know, like, how, what's the best example I can give? Like, it's so many different angles I can take um, with hip-hop. It's like... You know, we weren't there to a lot of stuff that we opened the door up for the next generation. Uh, like in terms of drug use, usage, gangs, uh, all of that, addictive behaviors, things like that. We passed that down to them 
and it's being reflected in the music. The only thing is that social media is here and it's being put out to the masses a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. So I think that the times have just changed. Like obviously, um, if you're out of touch, you're gonna say that you know the music is bad and things of that nature. But realistically, there were trash artists in the '90s. There were trash artists in the 2000s and the '90s. There were a lot of trash. There were I don't say a lot, but it's there were labels to kind of clean up the trash mm-hmm. to make sure that you were good. Artist development. And no internet saved a lot of people from being called trash in the 90s. Yeah. Nowadays, the veil has just been lifted. Labels don't have um, money for artist development, and they're not trying to do that. That's why you have a lot of artists doing dumb stuff, saying whatever on social media. And it's like, where's your PR? Yeah. They and, don't have that. And I mean, that dates all the way back to, like, the Motown days. Like, you know... Everybody that was in Motown went to an etiquette school. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, it, it'd be kind of interesting if a lot of the artist development was adapt, adapted from, you know, back in the day when, you know, Motown, the Motown sound was around and stuff. But the mm-hmm. fact that Barry Gordy made a lot of his um, musicians and artists go to an etiquette school so you would know how to walk, how to talk, uh, how to eat <laughs> in front of people, how to interview yeah. properly and stuff. Um, so I think, honestly, I think that's something we definitely need to reconsider as far as like A&R and stuff. We definitely need more artist development, yeah. um, especially not just, you know, within the hip hop community, but within the the music community uh, so that we can teach our artists, you know, how to, you know, not necessarily behave, but just how to present themselves in a way that isn't, you know, like the shit that Kanye is doing or the shit that Donald Trump is doing. Like, you need mm-hmm. a PR person. You need a person to stand behind you and, um, you know, and make sure that you're on your P's and Q's and you're just not out here just talking out of your ass at this point. Yeah. Okay. So, um, no, I don't think it's dead. I think it's grown. It's not the same as it was. Obviously, certain people are more emotionally attached to the era that they grew up in. But there is still dope music. I think the biggest thing is that, like, I want to put a label on it. But uh, if you were old enough to really appreciate, like, the Tupac and Biggie era, you struggled. You started to seem out of touch in 07, 08, 09. So, like, they were the people that were solely dependent on the radio. All the radios play a track. And we're like, look. There's dope artists. It's just you have to radio. go find. Yeah, not on they're the radio. just not on the radio. <laughs> you know, this is around the time when we was listening to Kendrick overly dedicated to warm up Drake's and like, because a lot of these artists weren't on the radio. Like we remember before Wiz got on the radio. Kush you know, and Orange. Kush and Orange. That's what I'm saying. He was selling out shows and had a huge following and never touched radio. So, but if all you know is radio and you're used to entertainment coming to you and not having to go find it, you're going to think it's trash. You know, and I've gotten to many debates, you know, with people like that, and I open their eyes, and some is just like, yeah, it's, that's a whole nother day, a whole so. nother debate. You know, it's so crazy. They finally just loaded uh, Cushion Orange Juice on Apple Music. Yeah, and and that's because it's the business side of everything. Just a little insight with that. Uh, Wiz blew up through Rostrum Records. That was, he was independent, and that was the label that he was with, where. Um, you know, it was with a guy named E. Dan, and they pretty much invested in him. 
and all of that. So cushion orange juice, all of that was done with them. Hmm. So even with the split, they wanted to get it on there, but they had to get the percentages right, make sure the samples were clear. And even if you go back and listen to cushion orange juice, the original from 2010 you listen to now, it's two or three samples on there he couldn't get cleared. Mm-hmm. So they had to use different beats or try to play the instruments out. But yeah, the vibe is still there. Um, it's a lot of mixtapes I would like to see make it to pay streaming platforms. So it's, it's a lot of fucked up stuff with streaming and numbers. Again, a whole nother conversation. But to get something for that work, to be able to sell it, would be dope. Okay. Like, yeah. Cool. Well, that about wraps up the show. I mean, <laughs> second episode, but definitely um, a lot of, you know, great dialogue and just some amazing content. And, um, you know, first and foremost, I definitely want to thank you for even coming on the show. No I will doubt love to have you as a guest um on the show i mean you know i like i said i know we talk a lot outside of the podcast but like you know when it comes to you know music and hip-hop like the the amount of knowledge that you possess like i even learned some stuff just you know talking to you so uh, we definitely got to break bread again on this uh podcast but tell us where we can find you uh instagram twitter uh train underscore freeman Train Freeman on like on Facebook, hit the like button. Uh, that's pretty much the bread and butter right now. Just those three. Anything else that I'm adding to that will be announced on those platforms. You know, if you hit me, I will respond to you. Uh, yeah, new music coming. Um, in terms of uh, music, same. I'm sorry, SoundCloud as well. And you know, I do have music on paid streaming platforms. So just search Train Freeman on whatever your preferred platform is. I'm on there. Uh, I'm verified on Spotify as well as Apple Music. So, all yeah. right. And before you go, um, two things I do want to ask you: uh, the plotting on a million movement. We, I definitely want to talk about that before we end the show. And then also, um, I know you have your your separate Instagram where you kind of you know talk about more hip hop stuff. So mm-hmm. just tell me a little bit about that. So yeah. So uh, I do have. Uh, Two uh, Instagrams plotting on the middle. Well, plot, technically, there's three, um, but I have another Instagram. It's like a blog page. It's T2F, which is Train to Freedom. Just want to do something different. Pretty much with that one, it's like on my artist page. I want to try to eliminate some of the excess fat on there. So, because I have this, I have this vision where it's like you should be able to come to my page and be able to clearly see what type of person I am. Where on this one, I'm going to post all my funny stuff, my memes, all my hip-hop things, stuff like that. So sometimes I intertwine the two. And then Plotting on a Million, um, it's a statement, it's a mission, it's a lifestyle. Pretty much it's a lyric uh, from my song, uh, Radio Raheem, Plotting on a Million, Riding Through the City. But Plotting on a Million is simply about, you know, establishing, setting your goals and really going after them. You know, it's like... You can really plot on anything, but I don't know anybody right now that would not like to, you know, make a million dollars doing something that they love or just, you know, have million dollar ideas and willing to go after them. So it's something everybody can relate to. Like whether we know it or not, we all out here really trying to plot on a million. So I tie that together. 
with the whole Spike Lee undertone from Radio Raheem, and that's pretty much, you know, the basis of Platinum Million. Um, I have merch. I'm getting ready to launch the website eventually. You just got to get the legal side of that together. I believe in doing things decently and in order. So once everything is up, um, I will be announcing those and promoting those even more. I do have t-shirts. You'll see them on the page. If you would like one, you can hit me up. I can still get one to you, but the mass rebrand is coming. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, letting us know about that. I already got my shirt, my Platinum a Million shirt. So oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yes, I did. I got two of them. So definitely <laughs> check him out um, on Instagram, on Twitter. Please give him a follow. Check out his music, everything. Yeah. Uh, we are working on some stuff behind the scenes. I'm not going to announce anything, but I will definitely let you guys know in the meantime. Um, but yes, you can follow us or me per se uh, at G Marie Media on Instagram. You can also like us on Facebook. Um, also on Twitter, G Marie Media. And um, I mean, if you, you know, want to give us a shout out, you want to a comment on anything or send any questions, or if it's a topic that you want us to talk about on the show, uh, email us at booking, that's B O O K I N G, at G Marie Media.com. It's been real. Thank you guys so much for kicking it with us on the show, Hip Hopology. We look forward to breaking bread with y'all pretty soon. Talk to you later. Bye.